welcome to the Adventures with Grammy podcast. I am your host, Carolyn Berry. This podcast is for grandparents on the go with their grandchildren and for parents who want to ensure loving relationships across the generations. I welcome your feedback and your input on every episode of the podcast we produce. Please send me an email, carolyn at adventureswithgrammy.com. Now sit back with your favorite beverage and enjoy today's episode. This ninth episode of the Adventures with Grammy podcast features three segments and six guests. The first segment will discuss how to set up a grant parent program at your child's high school. The second segment will look at a children's book, Hip Hip Hooray, It's Grandparents Day. And the third segment will provide insight into a grandparent's day program that has been ongoing at a private school since the 1980s. And as always, you will find the appropriate links in the show notes. Our first two guests are Jerry Witkowski and Deanna Schoss. The 93-year-old Witkowski spent 49 years in professional leadership roles, 18 of which was as the general director of Chicago's Jewish Community Centers before he retired in 1997. The grandfather of six and the great-grandfather of one, he is the author of the book, The Grandest Love, inspiring the grandparent-grandchild connection in which he details his passionate belief in the transformative power of becoming a teaching and learning family. He, along with Deanna Schaas, who founded the marketing consulting firm Intercultural Talk, Inc., have written the Grandparent Connection School Kit, The Secret to Entering Your Grandchild's World. It is a complete guide to setting up a grandparent program at your grandchild's school, a program designed to keep grandparents engaged with their grandkids during the crucial teen years. Why did you start this program? I started this program because I wanted to enter my granddaughter's world. My granddaughter, when I would say, how school, she told me, Grandpa, I'm more than just a student. And when she told me that, I realized that there's a whole world that I know nothing about. And I always focus on school. I don't know her music. I don't know what she reads for fun. I don't know what her dreams are. What's her relationship with her sister? I have an idea, Uh, but who are her friends? So how do I enter her world? And then I had to decide what is her world? And uh, uh, that's how I got started. Grandpa, I'm more than just a student. How is your relationship with her today now that you've started this program? Well, now that she she was 13 then and now she's 34, just turned 34. And when she was in Chicago, we would have breakfast every Sunday morning. We would go to the Botanic Garden near where I lived in Deerfield and we would go walking. So every Sunday, she, she would say, what's your agenda today, Grandpa? And I'd say, well, here's my agenda. And I'd list some of the things I'm concerned about because I wanted her to enter my world too. And then we would share each other's world and her boyfriend, her husband now, we, he would join us and uh, we talked family, we talked world events. It was just a wonderful time, but she's a businesswoman now. If I wanted to start a grandparent a program in my grandchildren's schools, what should be my first step? The superintendent. You need buy-in from the top. And you got to make sure that the superintendent is a grandfather or a grandmother. Because when I entered Deerfield High School, I was so fortunate that the principal that I talked to, her best friend was her grandmother. And she grew up with her grandmother. So she knew exactly what I was trying to do. And when I talked about grandparents are seeking the opportunity to enter their grandchild's world, what is their world at your school? And at Deerfield High School, they have 75 clubs that kids can join, from a chess club to theater, uh, where they put on productions. I could say to my grandchild who goes to Deerfield High School, what club do you belong to? Let's talk about the club. So that what I got a sense of was what is their world? And then she said, 
what we'll do is put together a, and this was for grandparents of freshman kids. So they put together a panel of kids who were sophomores who would talk about what is it like to be a freshman when you come to this school? What are the pressures? What are the fun things to do? How do you get from there to there? And they would talk about the world of a freshman in the high school, the pressures of making, if you came from another town or another part of the community, you all your friends are still back at the old school. Now you're going to make new friends. How hard is it to make friends? And so they put together a panel of three boys, three girls who talked about what it's like to be a freshman. And they set up an audience and after where they had cookies and, and coffee for the grandparents to get to know each other. And then they had a, a teacher from the special needs uh, staff. They had a teacher from the phys ed staff. Uh, how do you get on teams? What goes on in phys ed? So they gave us a good hour and a half orientation to the school. And they said, we can do this again. So in six months, they added a different dimension. But it was to invite the grandparents of the freshmen coming in. And then we met every year. When the kids became sophomores, what was it like to be a, a junior? And uh, the, the head of the English department came and spoke to the grandparents and then said, here's the list of all the books your grandchildren will read in all four years while they're here. So you can read a book and then you can discuss chapter X in that book. Or the, the, one of the books was To Kill a Mockingbird. You, if you, you can read that book and then discuss the issues that, that are in the book. So it, it's that world. And they were looking for people, grandparents who understood math because kids always had trouble with math. And then science, what was they learning in science? We focused on entering your grandchild's world. Then Deanna and I, after several years, decided that how do they enter our world? I was asked by my grandchildren, Grandpa, are you watching all the news on TV with what's going on with the managers from the House of Representatives? I said, absolutely. And here is why I'm watching it. I'm a child of the Depression, born in 28. So I grew up in that kind of atmosphere. After high school, I joined the Army and went to Japan and was part of the occupation forces. You were in the army, grandpa? We didn't remember that. And then we talked about that. So enter my world too. What happens if the superintendent of the school system is not a grandparent and is not particularly receptive to the idea? How do you get around that? Well, you can always test that out before you even meet with a superintendent. If you know a principal of a high school, get an idea that in your system, it's better to go to the high school principal or the junior high principal first. Then when you go to the superintendent, you said, oh, I met with Mrs. So-and-so and she said, blah, 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 blah. So that when you come to the school, you got to realize they're working 24-7 now. And then you're adding a brand new task to their workload. I have not had resistance to superintendent says, will you help me meet with so-and-so on my faculty? I said, anything, anything you want me to meet with anybody. How about the board of directors? So you have the board support. Then in the book, we talk about how grandparents can assist teachers, can help on trips. They become part of the faculty in a sense. Some of them are doctors, lawyers, former teachers. Uh, so they bring a whole wealth of skill to the school system and it doesn't cost them a, a cent. You could, they could say to you, could you, do you know any grandparents that do math? And then you say, okay, I'll go to the synagogue. I'll go to the church. I'll go to wherever grandparents hang out, the senior center. And I'll tell them we need math help at the uh, school. And do they have anybody I can talk to? So you become part of their reach out system. Why is this important to the grandparents? It's important to the grandparent and the grandchild because they love each other and the emotional support that grandma cares enough about what goes on in their school, in their world. The research that Deanna and I have done with other people on this is then the emotional support and growth and development uh, for the grandparent and the grandchild is, in, is enormous. It's supportive. You're building a, a rich support system to each other's emotional uh, development and growth, which is continuous, even when you're a grandparent who is 93 years old, like I am. Not only your own grandchildren, but I could see this having a, a halo effect for other students too. 
Well, it, all, it also what you'll learn is when there are productions at the school, when people are invited to come and watch a basketball game or a football game or a play. What we found is that once the grandparents got identified with the school, they went to, to go and, and see the basketball game. At a junior high school, the science teacher invited us in to do a science experiment that the grandchildren were doing. So she sat us at the at the tables where there where the kids sat, and then walked us through what to do and how to discover what this is and that is, and how to use things. You entered their world, and then you meet other grandparents. They live in your neighborhood, or you go have a cup of tea with them after, and then you share experiences of being a grandparent and the fun and so forth. And it's it's another support group. It's a friendship group. Grandparents know before they go to the school or talk to anybody at the school that they get their permission from their adult children. And why you, is that important? Well, because they they uh, they may be concerned about what you're going to learn about what their kid is doing in school and be critical of it or take over their role of teaching. I want to teach my kid how to spell or how to read a book or what the book says. So you you lay out what you what is acceptable and it's not. You don't want to offend your adult children by doing this. That's true of anything you want to do with your grandchildren. You always get permission from your adult children first. Over the time that I have known about you and your work, I've been very impressed with your respect for your children's authority over their children and to not overstep those bounds, that you are not the parent, you are the grandparent. And how to navigate the role of grandparenting. We're really talking about how do we strengthen the family and bring the relationship closer and build the love and foundation of, of hope together and respect for each other. You're teaching your grandchildren what it's like to be part of a family. I think that is such an important mission, and that's actually what my mission is. There are a lot of grandparents who are not wealthy and who cannot leave a financial legacy to their children, but what they can do is leave a legacy of love, and that includes respecting their children and respecting their grandchildren, and like you said, entering those grandchildren's worlds and learning about them. You leave a legacy of values. It doesn't have to be valuables. A legacy of values. That's a, a good phrase to use. Well, there's a piece in the book called uh, The Grandest Love. There's a whole chapter on that. Is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners about how to set up a grandparent program, why it's important, steps to take, things to consider? I would leave one major issue that when you go to a school, you have to realize they're working 24-7 already. And you're bringing to them a whole new idea that is going to invade their school system by your coming in. By invade, I mean you're going to learn their strengths and you're going to learn their limitations. You'll hear gossip about what goes on in the school. You'll hear this teacher's crummy because, and uh, that's what they're concerned about because you're outside there. So how do you build that trust and respect for each other that you're there to learn about your grandchild's world? not to be a spy. That is an important consideration because there's so much critique on education these days. The biggest thing grandparents should be prepared for when they want to start a program at their grandchild's school is knowing that even though the grandparent is bringing resources in, the grandparent may bring volunteers and all the intentions are good, the school still needs to integrate it into how they run a school. And so often once you meet with the superintendent or the principal and they're excited and they want to move forward, there's still often a stage where they need to identify the person within the school who will own it. And so it's important for grandparents to realize that those steps along the way, even though it may take time, are so important for the program to be really embedded into the school. Patience is really important, knowing that the ultimate goal, that ability to really understand what's going on in your grandchild's world, particularly as they become tweens and teens, where they tend to back away from those daily conversations you used to have, this entree into their world at that time will give you benefits that will last the, the rest of your life together. This takes about three years to really work out 
it's more than just the superintendent. Eventually you get people other from various departments, teachers and department heads, and who they get, who gets assigned to make this thing happen in the part of the, of the, of the school. This is really a lot of work. And you, if you start something like this, don't worry about it's, it's going to be done immediately. It doesn't happen that way. It takes time. Well, most good programs do evolve and don't happen overnight. Now that we have looked at the grandparent program at the high school, let's segue into a program that you've developed for grandparents to help them learn how to tell their life stories. Diane and I worked on, uh, with the JCC in Chicago, uh, some panel discussions. Carolyn, the panels that we did were related to things that would help families come together to support their child's education. There was a series of three. The first panel was with professional social workers, so professional counselors, but then parents and grandparents because we thought the first thing that needs to happen before a grandparent gets involved in their grandchild's day-to-day sort of education is the parents and the grandparents need to be on the same page. So the first panel was on how to navigate family conversations. You know, grandma wants to come in and read to their grandchild. Uh, Mom wants help making lunch, (laughs) you know, so coming up with what those those tasks are. uh, Or come in and do the laundry. Yep, the things that were needed. We, then we did a panel on technology because sometimes people are concerned, well, there's too much technology now going on because everything's from home. So we had technology experts and people very familiar with different technology platforms on how you can use technology to actually bring people closer together. You know, how to do virtual museum visits together or platforms that allow you to play games together, even if you're in different locations. And then the third panel was specifically on how remote learning works and what the implications are now for teachers, for families, and how grandparents could be supportive of their grandchildren uh, when so much was being done through remote learning. What's the feedback that you've heard? The feedback actually has been wonderful. So we've had anywhere from, I want to say like 30 to 50 grandparents attend each one that we've done. And it's a combination, the benefits are things that grandparents can use with their own grandchildren, but there's also the connectivity between different grandparents, because with so much being done at home and concern about COVID, a lot of people are isolated now. And so grandparents really enjoyed it, again, not only for how it would impact their own interactions with their family, but I think it was nice to be able to share with other grandparents and to see that other people were going through the same challenges. Do you find that grandparents are comfortable with technology now? Absolutely more and more. Uh, Jerry and I also through the JCCs of Chicago have started a program called Write Your Stories. Those are writing prompts that grandparents get twice a week to write different stories related to their past so that they can share those with their families. It's all done remotely. And we had over 400 grandparents participate in the last program. What we did on the webinars, and and so we had 30 to 50 people who attended. Those were so successful that we're doing more this coming year. The next one's going to be about summer camp and what does camp look like during COVID or if there's still restrictions. Uh, So we find that one, there are those that are receptive. Now, certainly, uh, Carolyn, the people that are attending the program at least know how to use Zoom. So the people that are on the calls have at least a basis of knowing Zoom. We do encourage grandparents that are not even there yet to work with their adult children or even just to set up a time with their grandchildren so the grandchildren can teach them how to do it. You are making connections for grandparents, and I applaud you for that. Thank you. We have a new round starting March 7th. We'll make sure that we can share that with you and with your listeners on how to register. And we always do, the new round starts March 7th. There's 12 prompts. So each session is six weeks. It's free. There's no, there's no uh, fee to participate. And then usually around the third or fourth prompt, so about two weeks in, We do a Zoom call for people to hop on and they can share their successes, any challenges they've had, you know, just even about the writing process itself. What we're trying to help grandparents do is build a a legacy of their family and their family life. And these stories will be able to be put on 
some device where anybody in the family can look it up and see what did grandpa say about the first car he bought when he was 18 or grandma's first crush in high school. We suggest people set a timer for 10 minutes and to write nonstop. And if you want to go back afterwards and spend more time, but we're trying to make it where people cannot be self-conscious. It's 10 minutes twice a week at a time that's convenient for you. So it's all sent out by email, but you can do it at your convenience uh, so that it doesn't feel overwhelming. And you're not submitting this to your favorite English teacher so you don't have to worry about spelling or punctuation or sentence structure and stuff like that. English teachers have killed subwriting careers in their life, in their uh, life. Well, we're opening them up. We're, we're opening it up again. And that's fabulous. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have questions from your earlier seminars on the website or is there any place people can see those questions? Yes, in fact, we recorded each of the sessions. And so on the website, grandparentsunleashed.com, and the way you can remember that name is when grandparents unleashed their creativity, there is nothing they can't do to benefit their family. So grandparentsunleashed.com, we actually have the recordings from the first three, from the first three sessions that we did. And particularly that technology session, all of the speakers submitted, they gave us the links to all the resources that they had shared during the conversation. And so that's all right there for grandparents to, to access and to click and to use. I'm so glad you asked that question because it's a really great resource on everything from which grandparents of young grandchildren will be so excited to know that interactive video is okay because you'll hear sometimes that, that uh, under two, that you've heard the rule like no screens for children under two and grandparents are afraid, well, how's my grandchild going to know me? So it turns out that doesn't count for interactive, actual conversation type interaction via, via technology. Segment two features the mother-daughter authors, Danita Mahler and Sarah Rice. The duo has written Hip Hip Hooray, It's Grandparents Day. The grandparents with their fancy grandparent names are backstage with their grandchildren waiting for the fun of Grandparents Day to begin. Danita Mahler became a Grammy in 2008 and life has not been the same since. No one loves you as unconditionally as a grandchild, she says, and now she has six grandchildren. Her daughter, Sarah Rice, is on hiatus from her teaching career as she raises her four children. With, she says she keeps current with her classroom management skills by being the family's chaos coordinator. You've written a couple of books. The first one I'd like to talk about is Hip Hip Hooray, It's Grandparents Day. So give us a little insight into your book. This is Danita, also known as Grammy. And the first book that we wrote, um, actually we, we self-published about almost two years ago now, uh, is titled Hip Hip Parades Grandparents Day. And it was inspired by my first Grandparents Day at my grandson's school. Sarah is my oldest daughter. She has four kiddos. Nate is her oldest. Uh, and at the time he was in kindergarten, he just started sixth grade this year, which is kind of crazy. So it was my first grandparents day and they did the whole assembly in the gym. It's a big deal at their school. And each class gets up and does a little presentation. And, you know, I just started noticing uh, as we like, then you went into the rooms and had muffins with the kids and met the teacher. And I told Sarah after the event, how, you know, what a great time I had. But one thing that I noticed was you rarely heard grandma and grandpa anymore. There were some, but lots of fun names like Mamie and Pops. And of course I went by Grammy, my husband is Gramps. And I had always dreamed of writing a children's book. So I gave her, I told her that idea. I said, what do you think? Do you think that would be a good book? If we talked about the different names of grandparents and then the fun things that they do. And she thought it was great. I was a kindergarten teacher for six years and then I taught first grade for one year. So I absolutely love children's books. When my mom came to me with this idea, I absolutely loved it because when I was teaching, I realized it was very difficult to find books about Grandparents Day. 
So I was thought we needed to jump on it right away. I love the names. One of the things that I do is make teddy bears wearing t-shirts with different grandparent names. When I looked at your book and I saw all of the different grandparent names, I thought, oh, I've got to get to work and make different shirts. A true story about that. When we had the idea for the book, it's kind of funny how it, it quickly came about. So after I told Sarah about the idea, we were actually leaving like days later to go to Disney World for a family trip. And I told her about it. She was like, gosh, that's just a great idea. So we're on the plane. This is about a two hour plane ride. And I literally wrote the rough draft while we were on the plane. And we used names of people that we knew. I, we, I think it appeals to almost every family we have found. And we just think it's a way to encourage that special relationship between grandparents and grandkids because it truly is a special relationship. And there are benefits to both of the generations. You also have a little video. Tell me about the video. The video we made is a book trailer. Use my kiddos as the little kid voices that you hear in the um, trailer. And I love their little laughs. It just makes you giggle. The video that's posted on our website of Sarah and I reading the entire book from beginning to end. You also have a second book about Christmas. Tell me about that book. We had been going back and forth. We obviously have a series, the Grand Adventure series. And so we knew that we wanted to write other stories and use the same characters and just spin off on each of the different families. But we absolutely love Christmas in our family. And so we randomly, I think we're getting ready to set up all of our Christmas decorations and it just came about and kind of spiraled very quickly. And we, once we kind of get going, we just kind of, we go crazy on something. And so we just thought it would be so fun to be able to have the grands be able to come into the classroom and help the kiddos. They are putting on a, cl a class play about the true story of Christmas and they just don't have enough time to make the set and do the costumes because they give a helping hand and they uh, work really hard together and make a great production. And then at the end, the kids go on stage and they put on the class play. Oh, that's another sweet book. You guys are really creative yeah. and fast writers. We have actually found, this is Danita, we have actually found that the writing is probably the, the quickest and easiest part of it, believe it or not. Uh, finding an illustrator was challenging, but I will tell you that that was a huge success. And we don't believe that it was an accident that we found an amazing illustrator. He actually is local. And we saw, I saw actually an interview, I was working from home, saw a little interview uh, that he did on our local TV. And I just loved his style. And I had just looked at about 80 art portfolios. And as you well know, I mean, the illustrations in a children's book are just as important as the story. So we knew that they had to be amazing, but we didn't know how to go about it. So after looking at these 80 portfolios, and there was some real talent, but I just didn't see what I thought really captivated our characters in our heads. And uh, then when I saw this interview with Chris, I called the next day. It was kind of funny. By the way, he has done, he has illustrated over 400 books. He's award-winning. He's amazing. Goodness, what on earth? But uh, <laughs> he did tell me that it's, it's just virtually impossible to make it a success in this industry. But he said, why don't you go ahead and send me the manuscript? I thought, well, okay. So I sent him the manuscript and within an hour, he got back to me and he said, you girls have something here. <laughs> and that was the beginning of a, an incredible professional uh, relationship. Um, and Mr. Tim, he is actually the school custodian. And what reminds me of Chris is Mr. Tim is an alligator. He is just very fun loving. And that's how we see Chris. He's just, he's just a fun guy. Mr. Tim actually steals the show. And a lot of the pictures in the book, you see Mr. Tim off stage and he's doing some really funny things and you have this alligator and this little mouse and you will see them bringing out the props or holding things up and it's just darling and kids love it because they love to look for Mr. Tim to see what he's up to and his little associate the little associate is in the the pool with a little snorkel on you know for the for the Nana and Papa page and we just thought that was adorable. Uh, the illustrations are beautiful. Did you, you self-published the first one. Did you 
have a traditional publishing contract with the Christmas book or is that also self-published? We have self-published both of our books and we also um, did our activity book as well. One thing we'd like to share that we think really makes our books special is at the end of the book, we have two interactive pages and it's just a place where people can record about their own family experience. So in Hip Hip Array, it's Grandparents Day. The page has a couple of lines and cute, a cute background, but it basically says, I call my grands and then you fill in. So in our family, it would be Grammy and Gramps. And then we like to, and then you would fill it in. We like to camp. We like to play hide and seek. There's a place for a special memory. And then on the next page, the entire page is blank with just a heading that says, my grand's message to me. And this was really important to me. My mom died when she was 53. Sarah, my oldest daughter was eight and my youngest daughter was five. They were incredibly close to their grandma, adored her and they and she adored them. And I have always said, I wish I had something in my mom's hand for my girls. So we, we think families have really received that well. And then in the Christmas book, we have room to record your family traditions, and you can create your own Christmas scene on one of the pages. I think this leaving is- legacies for grandchildren is so important. Great. Even a handwritten page is a legacy. I totally agree. What is the big lesson of your books? Families are different. We're young grandparents and some grandparents are older and maybe they have some physical limitations. I mentioned that several of our characters were based on real people. We have a kangaroo grandma and her name is Nina. And that was my son-in-law, Sarah's husband, his grandmother. She was 92 at the time. She was suffering from Alzheimer's. And once a week, Sarah would invite her over to her home to give her mother-in-law a break. She was her caregiver 24-7. And that special time with Nina was wonderful, not only for Sarah, but for Sarah's kids. And there's a little kangaroo girl, and they used to do puzzles together. And so Nina and, and Bella would do puzzles together. And if you look at that page, notice something special about Nina. Uh, bedazzled jewelry. I mean, she was just a gorgeous lady and she loved her jewels and jewelries. And Bella was what, three at the time? And Bella loved that. Wanted to represent that. Sarah lives here less than a mile from our home, but we have a daughter with three kiddos that live all the way across the state, four hours away. Skype was the big thing. Um, So we have the grandparents Skyping, they're on the computer and it's still a special relationship. But on that page, the kiddo's getting ready to take the train, which we've done, uh, take the train to visit his grandparents. And what a special thing that is. And then we also thought about um, not everyone has grandparents. So we wanted to remember those kiddos who maybe didn't have a grandparent in their life. So we introduced great aunt Millie. (laughs) Great aunt Millie is artistic and she's lots of fun. And she and her little granddaughter or grandson, I don't even know who you could tell on the page, um, but they do arts and crafts and it just makes for a special relationship there. So maybe it's sometimes to think out of the box what your family looks like. Make some new memories with maybe new people even. It could be a neighbor, even our grandkids, even though they have grandparents in their lives, they have some neighbors that are incredibly close to them. And I think that's awesome. Every child needs that. And I think every older adult needs that too. (laughs) Where can our listeners find you and where can they find your book? For more information about our book and to also purchase a book, you can go to our website, www.grandadventureseries.com. We are available, we are from St. Louis, Missouri, so we are um, in some local stores, but you can also find us on Amazon. Segment three features Dr. Christopher Guerin, the 11th head of school for Cape Henry Collegiate. Julie Scher is the major gifts officer at Cape Henry Collegiate and is the grandmother of a delightful one-year-old. The genesis of the school's Grandparent Day program began in 1982 as Friends Day. It has evolved into an annual Grandparent Day program for the lower school students and features them in music and dance performances for a standing room only crowd of grandparents. 
The magic of the day, says Dr. Guerin, occurs when the grandparents visit individual classrooms after the showcase performances. Why did the program get started? How did you get it started? And what's the reaction of the grandparents, your faculty, your staff, and the grandchildren? What kind of feedback do you get? I've been here since 1982, and in 1982, Cape Henry was a much, much, much smaller school, both from a physical plant standpoint, you know, student, and we didn't have a lot of extra programs or initiatives at all. It was all reading, writing, and arithmetic. That was it. And there wasn't a grandparents' day. We had just moved into what was at that time in 1982 considered a new building. We were just trying to sort of get our sea legs from, a, from an educational and institutional standpoint. What I remember, and I actually reached out to some fellow co-workers that I worked with at the time in the 80s and also reached out to some students that I have maintained relationships with over the years to get their memory banks going as well. In the 80s, there was not really an institutional grandparents day. It was it was something that teachers sort of began began on their own. So and I'm just going to speak for me personally. I was given the opportunity to come up with different ideas for involving other people in my classroom. And it was, um, it was a little bit carte blanche. I mean, we could do, we could pretty much do whatever we wanted to do. And I remember having a special friends day and saying, wouldn't that be fun to invite special friends into the classroom and kind of show them what we do from an academic standpoint and, you know, that type of thing. That's kind of how it started. And please, I'm not the one who started it, but it it was, that's how the grassroots of this started with a few young teachers like myself saying, let's just see how this evolves. There was no structure to it. It was sort of a come and go kind of day. People could sign up to come in for a math lesson or sign up to come in for a reading group lesson or sign up to come in and have lunch. And it was pretty disorganized and it was pretty labor intensive, but people enjoyed it. Everybody enjoyed it. And so it just kept evolving. And as the school began to grow, and as we had, from an administrative standpoint, administrators began to take responsibility for different areas of the school. So lower school, middle school, upper school, development, admissions, that type of thing. This special Friends Day began taking some shape. It was in the 90s under the head of school, Dan Richardson, that it really took shape. And uh, again, at that time, the Parents Association was, was heavily involved in, in the day. It was special friends slash grandparents. We took it from being a full day to being a half a day. And we institutionalized it a little more. We made it, you know, it was always just lower school, but we, we sort of stopped allowing, or the administration at the time stopped allowing teachers to kind of do their own thing. They made it a little more structured. So then as grandparents became much more involved in their grandchildren's education, which again was something that I think from our school standpoint became more prevalent in the 90s. And we realized that there was a whole constituency of people that needed to know more about our school and needed to know more about what their grandchildren were doing because they were heavily involved and a lot of them were paying for uh, the tuition. That's when the Office of Development, and I was not in development at the time, I was still in the classroom and subsequently in admissions. But that's when development sort of took over Grandparents Day and really began looking at it 
as an opportunity to bring these grandparents into our fold and to be, and make them a part for this one special day. And we chose around Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving being, you know, because we are so thankful for the grandparents and we're so thankful for what they, the, the, their involvement with the students that we love so much. And it all just rolled together sort of in this perfect little snowball. It's over a number of years, it just grew and grew and grew and grew to what you saw when you came. And every year we would look at our grandparents' day and we would say, all right, what else do we need to offer to the grandparents? And one thing that we realized early on is we needed for them to see other parts of the school, not just their grandchild's classroom, because Cape Henry wasn't just about being in the classroom. It was about being in the music room. It was about being in the gym. It was about being in the arts um, building. It was about singing. It was about dancing. We started incorporating all of those things. We would take the grandparents from special area to special area to special area. Again, that became a logistical nightmare. It seemed disorganized, which was which is how the auditorium presentation that we give to the grandparents or that we put on for the grandparents prior to them going to the classroom. That's how that came about, um, because it was a way for us to showcase for the grandparents what we do here, what we do for not just their grandchild, what we do for every child, and then also and very importantly allowing the grandparent to have special time with their grandchild slash grandchildren in the classroom to get to know the teacher, to see their friends, to be introduced, be able to embrace the love of their grandchild with their grandchild's love of our school. Can you paint a picture for our listeners of what today's grandparenting program looks like? Grandparents' Day starts with the planning in the development office, and it is it usually starts about a year ahead of time. So we finish one Grandparents' Day, and then we start talking about the next Grandparents' Day, which is going to be a year down the road, always at Thanksgiving. We have found Thanksgiving to be the sweet spot. Would you agree with that, Chris? It's a perfect time of the year in order to celebrate our grandparents and getting ready for a holiday, which is all around giving thanks. And so the kids just love having their grandparents come in at that time. So it's like, yeah, it's, I mean, if you think about just Thanksgiving, it's the perfect holiday to connect with Grandparents Day. From a grandparent standpoint, living out of town, it's also perfect because I can come in and spend the entire weekend as opposed to coming in on a day and then the kids have to go back to school the next day. So I love it at Thanksgiving time. I think it's the perfect, the perfect timing. Well, and Carolyn, you just, you just said something super important because in the evolution of Grandparents' Day, it wasn't always at Thanksgiving. Sometimes it was in the spring, sometimes it was in the winter. It really became institutionalized when we gave it that Thanksgiving time slot. And the reason we did it was for all of the reasons you just articulated. We are very lucky at our school to have an event planning person, an, an employee in our development office who does, who plans all of our specials of events and her attention to detail where all of our events are concerned are, I think, from my perspective, and I think Chris would agree, is what leads to the smoothness and the seamlessness of this day. There's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes from the ground floor, from making sure that we have correct information about getting in touch with the grandparents, about letting them know that this is going to happen, about articulating what the day is going to look like. So those are all logistical things that are very important to making this day run smoothly, making sure that um, if we do not have the good contact information with grandparents, that we are in touch with the, with the children's parents to pass the information on. And if the grandparents 
are not able to attend, I mean, very early on, we are reaching out and asking them to write letters or to send pictures or because we don't want to just say, well, okay, well, that's, that's fine. You don't have to come. We'll just, you know, have somebody stand in. That's sort of where the special friends come in. But for grandparents, for children whose grandparents are all deceased or whose grandparents are not able to make it, we still try very hard to involve the, the knowledge and the visual of those grandparents as a celebration for that child. Well, and also we do have this idea of, uh, of someone being able to stand in. So a perfect example is my own son, who this year is in third grade. So as he's gone through Grandparents' Day, he has one grandmother who's still alive, but she lives uh, quite a distance away. And so she's unable to be here for the event. So actually my executive assistant, who is also a grandmother herself, she steps in. And so every year she attends Grandparents' Day in place of my wife's mother. And it's wonderful. My son loves having her come to the classroom and spend time with him there. He goes to the program ahead of time in the, in the auditorium. So again, just try to, make, try to make sure all of our kids feel that the day is also for them. What does the day look like? The day actually starts with grandparents arriving right after our car line is finished. So parent, grandparents start coming in about 8.30. We have, uh, we actually try to make that as smooth as possible as well, because from a logistical standpoint, a grandparent not being able to find a parking spot or not, are having to, you know, struggle early on with just getting in the building, that doesn't set a very good precedent for the day or a very welcoming atmosphere. So even from, from, a, from the standpoint of that little piece, that's very important. We push all of everybody else, push their cars off campus so that we have enough room for all of the grandparents to come in and get in safely and it to be as less cumbersome as possible. They come in and we feed them a breakfast. That is something that actually evolved over a number of years. It evolved out of grandparent feedback, frankly. We used to offer treats in the classroom where the kids would, you know, again, in the 90s and the early 2000s, we would have the kids during the time that the grandparents were in the classroom have a cupcake or treats or whatever. And grandparents actually said anecdotally on a number of occasions, ha ha ha, well, at least you can give us a cup of coffee or, you know, ha ha ha, we're hungry when we get there. Could you give us a muffin or, you know, which is what created this thought of, well, let's bring them all together and let them get to know one another. I mean, that's a big part of it. So, you know, for an, for an entire hour, grandparents will be coming in the door. They will be checking in. They will be given a packet of information about the school and where their grandchild's classroom is. And they will be told we will have music going in the foyer with some of our older students. And we will feed them, we will feed them and give them coffee and a allow them the opportunity to get to know one another. And that, I believe, has evolved into a whole nother aspect of our grandparents' day that is just, it's just beautiful. They, some of them have formed very strong, long-lasting friendships because of that community time where they're having breakfast together. I was shocked the first time I went and saw the array of food and drinks that you had available. And I'm thinking I shouldn't have eaten breakfast because this is breakfast. So The only thing we haven't been able to do is we have had a few requests that we serve mimosas in the morning. We haven't gone there yet. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a nice top off. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you just quickly, I mean, this is just a little side story, but early on in my early years in development, um, after I left the classroom and I was no longer in admissions, when we were trying to sort of figure out a way to just even get the grandparents coffee, I remember 
organizing all of that for Grandparents Day. And this was before we had a special events person. So it was all hands on deck. And we had those big, huge coffee urns that you plugged in and, you know, they made like gallons of coffee like you get in. (laughs) And uh, so we had them everywhere and we forgot to plug them in. When the grandparents (laughs) arrived, there was plenty of coffee urns, but the one piece that we had forgotten was to remind someone at six o'clock in the morning, because it takes about two hours for those urns to percolate. And that was a huge snafu, but everybody was great about it. There was a lot of laughing and, you know, but so that's just a little sidebar. Those were, those are where things can go wrong. As the parent, as the grandparents are coming in, we have members of our parents association, as well as the administration of the school there to greet them and sort of say, you know, we're going to stay in this area right now. We're going to have an auditorium presentation. They are welcome to take their food and their drinks into the auditorium and, and, and get a good seat because everybody wants a good seat. So, you know, we don't give them restrictions as far as that's concerned. And a lot of them do. They, they arrive early, they go sort of find their seat, they have their muffin, they have their coffee, they take their friends with them and, and off we go. Chris usually opens, opens the, the morning by greeting everybody and, you know, letting them know how happy we are that they are there. And he talks about how far people have come and sort of what's going to happen during the day. Happily, they always allow me to speak, which is, I think they frankly only do that because I'm the oldest administrative member at the school. And I think they know how much, how I've taken ownership of this program for so many years. I think it is their way of giving me, keeping me involved with it because they know how much I love it. And I appreciate that a lot. Then we have our head of the lower school that, again, greets everybody because we want the grandparents to see who is the leadership of the school, what is, what's going on during the day, and who are the people that are taking care of their grandchildren. And then we have dancing, as you know, we have singing, we have, we try for it to be an array of students from kindergarten all the way through grade five. Obviously, every grandparent that is stuffed into that auditorium because now it's standing room only. Every grandparent um, is not going to see their grandchild on stage at that moment. Logistically, we just cannot do that, but we try to the best of our ability to have a smattering of all grades and all of our, of our, um, you know, offerings as far as singing and dancing and theatricals and that type of thing. So when When we have finished with the little auditorium presentation, uh, the grandparents are dismissed and we have folks throughout the hallways of the school as well as signage that shows exactly how to get to the lower school. Again, our, our campus can be very, very deceiving. And the last thing that anybody would want on their campus would be for grandparents to get lost or to not really have a, a clear path as to where they're supposed to be going. We want this to be as enjoyable as it can be for the grandparents. We don't want them to be worried on any level. Oh, I don't know how to get to my grandchild's class. Oh, this campus is so big, I'm, I'm lost already. We, uh, we track their path through signage and through volunteers. We take them all the way to the lower school. When we get to the lower school, there are more volunteers with lists, every grandparent's name and every child in the school. And um, so that if a grandparent has forgotten who their teacher, who their grandchild's teacher is, we've, we've got people there ready to go. You know, it's, they need to go, your grandchild's teacher is in room 101. Her name is Mrs. Share. Let us take you there. And um, we're trying to leave nothing to chance, not, nothing at all to chance. And so the classroom, from the classroom perspective, the, the children have been heavily involved in what's going to happen over the next hour or hour and a half with their grandparents. They have uh, made Circe's for them. They've made pictures. They have projects planned. 
there will be more singing, there will be more dancing, there will be more um, tours of the lower school and introductions to former teachers. It is planned and organized. It's organized chaos, as one says. Again, we deliver enough chairs to each classroom that every grandparent has a place to sit so that, um, you know, early on, again, we realized that, you know, we had grandparents stacked up along the walls in our classrooms with no place to sit. And they didn't really want to sit in the kindergarten chairs, which are only about two feet off the ground. Logistically, those are things that evolved with the evolution of uh, Grandparents' Day. We keep to a pretty tight schedule and uh, the grandparents visit for an, an hour in the classroom with the student and are able to move if they have more than one grandchild, they move from classroom to classroom, taking all of their grandchildren with them if they want to. Even though there's a structure, they're also, it's very important for us always to be flexible as well. When it's time for grandparents to depart, which is typically right before lunch, so that we can make sure that we get, you know, all of the grandparents off campus safely and easily and without a lot of helter-skelter, you know, in the hallways, and then we can start our school-wide lunch after that. We make an announcement, obviously the teachers know, but we also make a school-wide announcement thanking the grandparents for coming, wishing them a happy Thanksgiving, telling them how much we appreciate them being on campus and we want them to be involved, and that's sort of their dismissal cue. And then as the grandparents are leaving, we have a ton of people in the foyer to say goodbye. Me, Chris, our personnel, our development personnel, volunteers, and we give out cakes or cookies or something, something special with a special message attached. Again, just a surcy of gratitude. And that, believe it or not, is the only time that I can remember in the past decade us having any snafus was when we ran out of goodies. So we always try to order plenty. Let's say, for example, if we're giving a bunt cake, a small little personal bunt cake that has a message, we typically give one cake to each grandparent, but sometimes people will say, you know, may I, may I take two because I want to give one to the other grandparents, or we try to make sure we always factor that in, and occasionally we have run out, and the grandparents don't like that. <laughs> they like to have their Cersei at the end. <laughs> I think the best part of Grandparents Day for me is going into my grandson's classrooms. And I've had Mrs. Reed, Mrs. Burroughs, Mrs. Scullion, and I can't remember the other teacher, the pre-K teacher, but there's always been some sort of activity that they have planned for us to observe and also for us to interact with the children. Okay. And that's just so fun. And to walk into the classroom and see my grandsons and watch their faces just light up that I'm there for them just really makes me feel good. And I'm always, and like you were talking about grandparents not being able to come, I'm always sad for those students who don't have a grandparent there. It's, you know, you can tell it's not that they're unhappy, but they're just not bright and perky like the ones who have their grandparents there. What you described walking into the classroom, that's the magic of Grandparents Day, right? Like where you see Absolutely. your grandchild's eyes just light up and they smile and they're happy or they run over and it, they just, I mean, obviously these little, it doesn't matter if they're in kindergarten or if they're in fifth grade, they really want to show off their classroom and their teacher and their friends, their desk to their grandparents. I mean, and so that's what, that's just an awesome part of it. I agree with you. I think what we see is that there are some grandparents who literally will adopt another child right there on the spot uh, and include them yes. if they're making a craft or doing an activity. And then, like I said earlier, there is this option where, and we've had some grandparents sort of, we've had folks sit in for, on behalf of grandparents, like I said, with my own son. But it's just, I mean, that's the, the, the performances and 
you know, hearing from me and things in the auditorium are nice to give grandparents a feel for the larger school. But the real magic, like you said, Carolyn, is when they when they see you come into their classroom and they get to, you yep. know, their grandmother or their grandfather or both are there with them in their classroom. And that's just, wow, that's what it's all about. Carolyn, I have three daughters that are all graduates of the school and they're older now. But when we talk as a family about things that they really appreciated about their education and about Cape Henry, Grandparents Day is one of the things that they remember vividly, vividly as it being so special to them. And they have shared that with friends of theirs whose schools didn't have something like that. And so I think it is, as you know, you use the word magical, Chris, just use the word magical. I think it's magical on all ends. It's a magical for the kids. It's magical for the grandparents. It's actually magical for the school. I can understand that your children are older. I just last week, was with my family. Uh, we were snowboarding. My six-year-old, who is in the transition program, when I said to them that I was going to be interviewing you about Grandparents Day, he came over and sat on my lap and said, you know, I was shy last year. And I said, you were? Tell me about that. Well, in Mrs. Scullion's class, she had the kids doing the hokey pokey and, and <laughs> grandparents too. And the whole time, he was just kind of standing there with his hands in his pockets with this big grin on his face, looking at me out of the corner of his eye, but he wouldn't participate. <laughs> and I, I nudged him at one point and I said, let's, let's dance. He's like, I'm too shy. But he remembered that more than a year later, which I found pretty interesting. Oh, that's, that's great to hear. See, I love hearing stories like that because that's why, that's exactly why we do it, right? It's those connections. Uh, and, right. those, and those memories. From an administration standpoint, what would you say to the principal or the administrator of another school that does not have a grandparent program? What would you advise them to do? If they're committed to building community within their school, then I would strongly encourage them to consider doing it. I think we, we often talk about partnerships with parents but you want to broaden that view. And, and, and so grandparents obviously are, are a natural connection point. And, and often I'll tell you, grandparents are often our biggest fans. You know, they tend to have a real, they truly value education and the importance of schooling because they've seen it in their own children's lives. They've experienced it. I would tell them, I mean, sort of like what Julie had described, you know, the key, if I was talking to another administrator, I'd say is, you know, one, we'd be willing to share the whole plan with them. So if they really needed a model and there are other schools that also, that also do it maybe a little differently. So to find somebody else, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There are schools doing this already. who I'm sure would be happy to share and then find somebody or a small group of folks who can really own it. Uh, as Julie said, we have a woman, her name is Diane Cruz. She's absolutely phenomenal and she's our special events manager here. So she really owns this event, helps to pull it together. And then I think helping to convince your teachers that it's going to be valuable. I think most teachers are going to get that right, right away. But once they've done it once, they'll, they'll see that. Again, like we said before, they're going to see the power of what happens when a grandparent walks into a classroom and just how much pride and happiness that brings to their students. Agreed. We actually, there's a school in Florida that's about the same size as our school. A person that is a supporter of Cape Henry is always on their board. And about six or seven years ago, he called and asked if we would be willing to walk the school through how to begin a grandparent's day because he had been privy to ours. And so they have modeled as Chris said, they have modeled their grandparents' day after our grandparents' day. So there are plenty of folks out there that are willing to help on the, on the ground floor of getting something like this started. And I, I can't underscore enough the attention to detail because what I think to take a beautiful opportunity like this, like having your grandparents come on campus and being able to embrace them in every sense of the word, for that not to be well thought out and sort of well orchestrated behind the scenes could lead to a disorganized day and feeling which would not resonate 
as well with the folks that you're bringing on campus. Actually, both of you have addressed this, Julie, you and I outside of this conversation and Chris just now. I think one of the reasons this program or any kind of grandparent program is so important is that the whole attitude of grandparenting seems to have changed over the last 50 years. And I think grandparents are just more interactive with their grandkids today than they were when I was growing up. I agree. I think the dynamic has has evolved. I remember my grandparents. My grandparents never set foot in my school and wouldn't have. I mean, it wasn't how our grandparent, grandchild, parent relationship was. But now, you know, in my children's grandparents, my mother and father, my husband's mother and father, were heavily involved always in the upbringing of our children. And I think that that is how a lot of grandparents feel. Even though they might not be in town, they are still heavily involved in what goes on with their grandchildren. Well, if you look at our attendance and the fact that we are really standing room only, it reinforces the point that grandparents want to be involved in this way. So, I mean, I can't necessarily speak to what it was like, you know, in the past compared to today in regard to grandparent involvement, although I think, you, I think you're right. But it does show you that when you offer these types of programs today, grandparents are very interested in it. They embrace the opportunity. Absolutely. What words of wisdom would you like to leave our listeners? Well, I would just say, I mean, as to all the listeners out there who are grandparents, if you are interested in finding ways to become more involved with your schools, then, then reach out, reach out to the school leadership, reach out to your, be a little bit of a pressure point for making that happen. Again, I believe it's part of our responsibility as a school to build community and that community has to extend beyond the very traditional sense of just parents. Underscore community. Schools, schools embracing a sense of community and wanting embracing the sense of family should be doing things like this. And if the only, I think that the, a word of wisdom, but also a word of caution to people trying to get something like this off of the, off of the ground is to embrace this as community building and the fundraising aspect of it will automatically follow it will be more it will it will follow in a very organic way for schools that wrap all of an initiative like this around nothing but fundraising i think tend to stumble more because they're not allowing it just to happen organically if that makes sense christy does did i articulate that correctly yeah, I mean, I don't think we really look at Grandparents' Day as a, we don't see that through a fundraising lens, right? That's a, that's all about just building community and having a great uh, opportunity for our students, um, again, to show off what they're doing at school, to show off their school to their grandparents, and for their grandparents to come in and be able to have that sort of day of celebration. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Adventures with Grammy podcast. If you did, I would like for you to do two things for me. One, hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss any episodes of the podcast and ask your family members and friends to do the same. The second thing is to visit the website adventureswithgrammy.com and look on the menu bar and click on the link newsletter sign up. That will give you access to my monthly newsletter. Also, Ask your family members and friends if they will sign up too. Please feel free to contact me, carolyn at adventureswithgrammy.com, with any comments or suggestions.